You are listening to the Remotepreneurs Podcast. Here, you'll learn how to adapt to a new future of doing business remotely by listening to interviews with the new breed of entrepreneurs called Remotepreneurs. Now, welcome your host, a remotepreneur that came from the factories to building multiple location independent incomes all remotely, Philip Bill Stankowski. Welcome to the Remotepreneurs Podcast. As you might know, I believe that the new entrepreneurs are remotepreneurs. And for the past five years, I've been working remotely and managed to build uh, location-independent incomes, although I come from the factories in Macedonia. Here on the podcast, we talk with successful remotepreneurs that managed to build their companies remotely. And in this show, specifically have a really successful remotepreneur that managed to build a seven-figure company in an old-school way of doing business. Probably it's one of the oldest industry, 200, 300 years. It's really competitive. He found a competitive edge. He used the internet and everything was done remotely. He's young remotepreneur, but he has so much uh, business experience. He never worked for a corporate job, so from 18 years, he started doing his business. He traveled in United States, in China, in Thailand, Vietnam, everywhere during building of his businesses. And he can, comes from UK. He doesn't consider UK anymore as his home base. So his home base is currently is Lisbon, but when it's colder a little bit at Lisbon, he tries to sneak in usually in, in <laughs> Chiang Mai. So, guys, I would like to welcome Colum. Colum, thank you for being part of the podcast and having time to share a little bit of your knowledge. Specifically on this podcast, we can discuss about mindset and how to take action because everybody needs a little bit change here before they change it in the real life. Okay? Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Can you share a little bit of your background? I'm just curious, how, how does it happen for you to start at 18 as a business owner? Yeah, man, I mean, that's a, that's a great question to start with. I think, I mean, growing up for me, I grew up in Leeds, which is in, in the north of England, right? I'm from a small town in, in between Leeds and Bradford. It's kind of a farm town. You know, we make a joke like more cows than people or something else. <laughs> and so and I'm not from a, a, a rich family or a wealthy family or anything like that. I didn't come from money. So I never really had a lot of, reference points for what success looked like when I was young. I started my entrepreneurial journey out of necessity, really, because when I was younger, I had lots of anxiety and lots of stress and worry in my life. I read a book called The Power of Now, which was, which was almost pushed upon me because I was really, like I said, I was really worried and I had lots of anxiety. And at this stage, I was uh, in university, just mm-hmm. started, and I was exposed to this this book. And all of a sudden, I realized that there is really a different way that you can choose to live your life. And I always, from a young age, like from 15, 16, I would always sell things, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, it wasn't like a conscious decision. I just was good at selling things on, on, on you know, at school or um, I used to do, um, I, w- I used to wake up at like 5 a.m. every morning and, sorry, 5 a.m. on a Sunday mm-hmm. for every week in a row. And I would, uh, in England, we have these things called a car boot sale, okay. which is where you, get all of your things in your house from the attic or the garage or wherever you keep all that crap. And you, you put it in the back of your car, you drive to a field, you pay five euros or five pounds, and then you literally lift up the, the boot of the car and you, you just sell your things. People come in in a field and there's, you know, 50, 60, 100 cars 
and people just sell their things. And I used to wake up every morning uh, with my mum and I would, you know, 5am I would go and I would sell those things. And that's actually how I started the physical way I started my entrepreneurial journey in terms of actually taking action in the world and Mm -hmm. getting enough money to go to New York City, which was my first destination of leaving the UK. But the mindset shift for me came from first being exposed to the power of now, because that made me realize that I don't have to live a life the way that I was taught by my parents or taught by my social conditioning or taught by the environment that in which I grew up. And then I started to go down the rabbit hole of personal development. And at the time, I was also studying a nutritional science degree. And in nutritional science, there is uh, really three paths that you can you can go. You can work in elite sport with, with elite athletes. And that means, you know, traveling around out of the back of your car and following the team around everywhere and making 30 to 40 grand a year, maybe. The other one is um, you can start your own business, maybe as a personal trainer or as a nutritional consultant online or, or whatever. And then the other one is you can work in academics. So you could be a professor and you can teach, right? And so I tested each one of those areas. Mm-hmm. And when I was in university, I one of my tests was I started my first real business, which I registered with the government. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was called Nutrisculpt. Okay. Uh, Nutrisculpt is science-based body composition. Now, I look back on that and I laugh so much because I remember the first thing I went out and I had all these hoodies printed with the logo on and I got all my friends in the university to wear them and I had, you know, my t-shirt and I would go to the gym and I would I would do my deadlifts and I would do all my, my moves and with, with, the, with the hoodie on, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was marketing, right? And I look back on those videos and I just, I just cringe you know I I just think oh my god what was that like what was I doing that became a real learning lesson for me in understanding marketing understanding you know paid advertising understanding the whole digital climate because before I got into that I had no idea what Facebook ads were what you know what uh, copywriting was what squeeze pages were I I didn't have anything any idea and so that business never made me a lot of money, but it made me enough money to buy my alcohol. And that's, that's really all I, I wanted at the time. And, you know, I mean, it meant that I didn't really have to borrow a lot of money off my parents and stuff. And I, so I kind of got myself through that phase of my life, just, just about. And then what happened was it got to the stage where I had an opportunity to go to America and do an internship. And I, like I said, growing up with a, with a family with not a lot of money, I didn't, have that money available. So I woke up and I went to these car boot sales with my mom and I, for six weeks in a row, I sold all of my clothes. I sold everything in my house. I sold any stuff my parents didn't want. I sold that. And I remember I needed to get $600 for the flight ticket to get to New York. And after five weeks, I managed to get enough for the flight. But the challenge was that even though I managed enough to get enough money for the flight, I couldn't afford accommodation. Because I, I couldn't afford a hotel and, and I, was, I had a couple of options for people who I could stay with, but then they fell through. And I was like, I was upset and I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I, this is my dream. I want to go there and do this internship, but I can't afford it. And I, was, I went on an interrailing trip around Europe with, with my girlfriend at the time just to take a little break. And um, I remember I was on a train from Prague to Berlin. On that train, there was 
It was in the middle of summer, it was really busy, and it was kind of like these carriages, these sections, with four or five, six seats in, in each carriage. And I remember seeing this American guy kind of walking down, down the aisle, and he was looking for like a seat to get on it. And everyone was kind of closing the door and being rude and not letting him in. And he kind of looked awkward and he, he didn't know really what to do. And I said, hey, I just looked out and I said, it was this tiny little space next to me and my girlfriend like this. And he was quite a big guy, right? And I said, hey, come on, you can come in here. So I helped him. He came in, I helped put his bag up. And then he sat down. And then we get talking, you know, it's a six hour train journey. And, and half an hour later, I find out that he's a lawyer. You know, 45 minutes later, I find out that he lives in New York and he's got his own apartment there. And, you know, he does really well for himself. And then he said, hey, man, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you. Do you want to go out for a beer um, when we get to the destination? I said, yeah. Um, so we, we go out for a beer and, and then I tell him about my, my idea of going to New York and it's my dream and I really want to go. And he says, you know what? You can stay with me. Boom. And that for me was one of the, that started my entrepreneurial journey in getting to America because without that situation, I would never have been able to go. And that was one of the deepest core lessons that I've learned in my entire life, which is you really do get out of the world what you put into it. Because if I'd have never have opened that door and let that guy in and have him sit down, I would have never gone to New York. I would have never been able to, off the back of that, start a, start a business with two hugely successful millionaire guys who now are some of my best friends who are like my family. I would have never been able to have any of that. And they started my career, those two guys. And, 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 and that's what happened. I, a couple of months later, I went to New York. I, I got there. I stayed in his apartment for two weeks. And um, I had to find my way around the city, imagine a farm town I'm from, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking at these huge buildings and I'm, I'm thinking, what is, it's, I was so lost. I find my up and, and they owned um, a chain of gyms in, in New York City called Mark Fisher Fitness, which was a, um, a boutique gym chain that specialized in training Broadway actors and uh, they trained a lot of like dancers and singers and performers. And they also trained general population as, a lot as well, but um, they were kind of known for being this, open gym that trained performers and um when i went there interned for two weeks and at the end of two weeks uh, they, they looked at me and they said you're a superstar and we want to hire you i was like just so blown away you know I, I couldn't i couldn't believe it and they said when you finish university come back here you'll have a job and so i was like wow this is this is amazing so when i graduated university i went straight to the u.s and then i worked for them for three to six months just in the gym doing like marketing, online marketing, stuff like that. And then after six months, I found this gap in the market and then I started a business with them. They gave me a bunch of money, said, hey, we want to build this platform, so let's build it together. So I co-founded a company called My Broadway Body with them and it was a membership website. And then that was an absolute dream. I ended up working with these two incredible guys that have businesses um, at the time. They had businesses and events. They had gyms. They had coaching. You know, they had all these different things, and I just—they were incredible to work with. And they really gave me access to the habits of success because before meeting them, I had no idea about really the mindset of becoming an entrepreneur and what it really takes, and. 
I remember when I first got there, I met Mark and, and I said, um, I would notice him because I would, because he actually let me live in his girlfriend's shoe closet. He's going to hear me <laughs> say It was his office slash girlfriend's closet. And she would come in every morning, 8am and open it again. I'm like, oh my God, I pulled the covers over. <laughs> and, uh, I would see him around the house just kind of, you know, meditating, reading two books a week, talking to mentors, doing all of these things. And I, and I said, you know, why, why, do you, why do you meditate? Why do you do these things? Why do you read two books a week? He educated me and, and said, listen, these are the habits you need to be successful. And I said, wow, okay, so there's something to this, you know. And then, and then all of a sudden I, I kind of leapt into this world of, of personal development and business and, and I really got, got lost in it. Yeah, and then that was that was the real start then for me of going on this this entrepreneurial journey with a with a lot of ups and downs and like I always joke I say I've got more grey hairs than George Clooney and I'm yeah. 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know it, it's it's been a beautiful journey so far. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you mentioned you need habits and it, it takes times so ups and downs. It, it, it mm. doesn't have a shortcut to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Silence my course. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I've got nothing to sell you. Yeah, I think that success in this is just you know my opinion, so take it with a pinch of salt. But I've seen many, many people over the years try to become entrepreneurs. And the number one reason I think most of them fail is because they have a mindset issue. They don't really understand that to change your behavior, um, and this is one of the beautiful things about traveling and, and remotepreneurship is that you know, the number one thing you can do to change your life or your habits, which ultimately result in your life, is change your environment, right? And by coming to a place like Chiang Mai and meeting people like you or, you know, coming to Lisbon or wherever it is that you go, you get exposed to new ideas, new inputs, and it, and it throws you off your routine. And there's a hell of a lot of things that you can do. You know, you can start meditating, get present. You can read books, get new resources, get ideas into your head. You can, you know, get mentors. You can do many, many, many things. But the number one thing I've seen work every time or most times is change your environment. And when you do that, it's kind of this domino that you tip down that all of a sudden lets all the other dominoes just fall. Well, that, that was a nice visual, see, domino. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and definitely agree there with you. On my cover on the podcast, there is a box mm. side of it. The box represents get outside of the box. Mm. And the best way to get outside of the box is to meet new people and basically travel. Yeah. I firmly believe that you are a product of the, they say five people that you hang around, doesn't mm. matter the number, but your environment is going to create you. And I do believe that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So you started this company with the guys that you actually met. Mm -hmm. And then how did you transition? Why were you in China? Like, was that yeah. part of the business or? Yeah. yeah, it's a good question, man. So what happened was um, I was, uh, I'd love to say it was this, you know, great entrepreneurial. The reality was I met a woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> women. Hey. <laughs> I was in New York City and I was traveling the west coast of America. I took a flight over, you know, I said, oh, you know what? I've not seen that, that side of the US. I'm going to go see San Francisco and, and um, San Diego and, you know, Seattle and all these cities that seemed really cool to me. So I was in San Diego and I was, I was traveling and I went to the 
the rooftop of this hotel I was staying in just to kind of look look over the view and it was beautiful. You could see the ocean and I was just like, wow, this is great. And when I went there, I noticed there was a little a girl sat in the corner and I said, hey, you know, could you just take a picture of me like with the view? And she said, yeah, sure, sure. So she comes, takes a picture and then she sits down and, and, and I was looking at the view and then she she turns around, she says, hey, you know, what's your name? Like, where are you from? And, you know, we get, we get talking and, you know, conversations flowing. And I find out that uh, she's Portuguese and she she lives in Macau in China and she's um, on holiday there. No, no, she was on a law. She was in a, she was on holiday for a couple of days when I met her, but her reason for being in San Diego was she was at a conference, like a law conference. We just hit it off and we just start talking and, you know, next minute one thing leads to another, you know, and then we become really good uh, good friends and we like each other and then didn't think anything of it I go back to to uh, I went back to New York she went back to Macau and then um, two or three months goes by I went back to the UK to visit my family for a month and she went back to Portugal to visit her family and so we were only a couple of hours from each other and, we, and she's like hey I'm in Portugal I'm got, I've got this wedding next week would you want to come to the wedding with me and I said I, I always believe in doing things really believe what you in what you're doing and take action and, and I've seen that as a trait with all people that not only do well in life, but are, live a fulfilling life. They take action quickly. And I didn't know that I was doing it at the time consciously, but I was. It was I was like, hey, let's do it. Bang. And I, and I immediately went to Portugal and I went to this wedding with all these Portuguese people. I, I couldn't speak a word of, of Portuguese. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, and I ended up at this wedding dancing with the bride and swinging around. And it was, <laughs> it was incredible. And um, I was supposed to be there for four days. I ended up staying for two weeks. And wow. um, we ended up, you know, completely falling in love and, and everything. And she said, oh, you know, I'm going back to, China, going back to Macau now. And uh, I said, right, I'm going back to New York. And at the time, it was kind of my life was, I felt like I needed a change from, from, the, from New York. I felt like I love New York, but it was very stressful environment and um growing up around lots of nature and stuff i said oh, you know what i want to experience something new and she said why don't you come to asia come you know come to why don't you fly to hong kong you know and then um see what see what asia is about why don't you try a new chapter and i said you know what i'm gonna do it so i took a 16 hour direct flight from from jfk straight to hong kong and i landed and i was in hong kong for a little bit and uh again it was a similar vibe to new york but kind of an asian version and i was like I was seeing her just regularly, more regularly, more regularly. And she said, why don't you just come over and, and stay with me for a bit in Macau? So, okay. So I went to Macau and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then after some months of being in Macau, I, I got really bored and tired of it. And, and then I said, you know what? I actually came to Chiang Mai for two or three days with her on holiday. And I just fell in love with the place. And so I had this idea and I, and I kind of saw all these Westerners here and just seemed to be so many cool ideas. And I started looking at Chiang Mai online and seeing that there was a big digital nomad like entrepreneur community here. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So I, after you know a few months, like I said, I left China, came straight to Chiang Mai. I didn't know anyone when I landed. I immediately joined Pun Space in, okay. in Niman. And, um, and then I, was, I met incredible people my first week, some of my best friends still to this day. I started seeing all these people, you know, drop shipping and Amazon FBA and selling all these physical products. And I, I was from service-based background, so I didn't really understand what was going on. And um, I said, wow, this is really interesting, you know. And so I started, and the more time I spent around them, I started to get this, like, bug to, to do it. 
I said, you know what, I'm going I'm to do it. So I, I started testing. I had some, some, uh, some money at the time. I started testing these different ideas. And uh, like I think I've, we, we talked about this before, most of the ideas uh, failed, but one of them did really well from, from Facebook ads. And, and uh, I said, wow, like, you know, th- there's, something, there's something here. Um, and then I, got, I kind of got hooked, hooked in it. And um, over that, that time, it was about a six to nine month period that I was testing these different ideas. And there was about a month in there that I went back to the UK again to, to mm-hmm. visit my family. And that's when I met a guy who owned a, a watch company. Uh, I met him at Toastmasters, which was a public speaking organization. Because that was one of my biggest fears always was, was public speaking. And so I wanted to address that. So I, I joined Toastmasters and would highly recommend it to, to anyone or anyone in the audience if you're afraid of, of speaking or definitely join Toastmasters. Met the guy who owned a watch company there. We kind of just became friends. I went back to Asia and then we started kind of working together, doing a little bit of email marketing and just do, testing some different things. And then kind of after like six months of becoming really good friends and, and working together on different stuff, he said, you know, why don't you come and work with me and, and completely transform this, this watch business? And so uh, the rest is history. And then I ended up partnering with him on this new company. And, and then we grew it from a company that was, was kind of going down and down like this because it was built on a, a cash cow business model, which was Facebook ads straight to a Shopify site. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook ads were getting more expensive every year as the marketplace became more competitive. And so the revenue was just going down. He was making less money. And he, and he said, listen, I want to build a brand and I know that you're really good at PR. I know you understand how to build a brand because I've done that in the service world. And, and um, I said, yeah, okay, this sounds good. So I moved back to the UK for, I think it was five or six months just to really kind of knuckle down and get my elbows in the mud and just work. And that's what I did. And then we said, you know, if this is not working after four months, then we'll, we'll call it quits. We'll do other businesses. We'll start something else. And then I remember three months in, uh, we were really struggling and, not, and it wasn't working. And we were thinking, oh, God, what are we going to do next month? Are we going to have to close this thing down? I, I don't know what we were, we were worried. All of a sudden, two, the next two weeks, we just hit this huge Facebook funnel. And it was just like, boom, online just flew. And then all of a sudden, we made this critical shift from me reading a book called Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker, which is an incredible 50-page book, which could take you 45 minutes to read and totally changed my career. And I read that book and we immediately shifted into, into retail mm-hmm. and we made this shift. Then all of a sudden, we developed this model for the retail industry, which as you alluded to earlier, we were in a very old traditional industry. And so what we did was we brought digital marketing to a retail industry, which is very traditional and old in jewelry and watches. And we completely innovated the industry. And so we got massive growth. And, uh, and then it, was just, it just went poof, up from there. And yeah, and the rest is history. Yeah. Can you share the ladder? Is it like going a little bit down, 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 a little bit down, 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 yeah. and then it's like skyrocket, something sure. like that? Sure. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship is a game of, it's a balance of certainty versus uncertainty. Okay. Right. Nice. And the people who I've seen play the game very well can manage their emotions, they can manage uncertainty because you never know what's around the corner. And, and one of the, there was a, a mentor of mine, a guy called Peter Sage, who was a British entrepreneur, incredible guy. And um, he always said to me this analogy of most people in life are stood on the edge of the river 
watching the river go by and they're saying, oh, I wonder how deep the water is. I wonder how fast this river's going to go. Like, it looks a bit dirty, the water. I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to watch the river. Well, entrepreneurship is not even looking at the river and just jumping straight in and learning how to swim. And as the river takes you down, there's going to be rocks that you're going to hit into. You know, there's going to be, you know, currents that take you up and down and knock you off balance. And you, one minute you think you're going to drown and, and the next minute you're swimming and you're enjoying it and you, the sun's out and it's great. But entrepreneurship is really a game of highs and lows. And I think that you have to be able to manage your emotions in relation to the journey and, and the, the, the bumps in the road and the rocks in the river because they're inevitable. And, and I think that I've had my fair shares of, of ups and downs. And I would definitely say that uh, much more downs than ups. Mm-hmm. But as I've got older, I've managed to, to get better at hand, handling that and dealing with that. And using techniques from, for example, guys like Peter, where he would always say, listen, trust the end destination. Because once you've jumped in the river, stop questioning where the river's going to take you and just trust the end destination. If you have to take a left turn, he always said to me, there's no straight lines in nature. If you look at a river from above, from topography, and you look at a river, it never goes straight, ever. A river in nature always winds, right? And he always said to me, there's no straight lines in nature. And the river is going to make you go on a left turn. It's going to make you go over here. It's going to make you go over here. And the key is when you're going over here, it's not to lose sight of this end destination. And if you can just prop yourself up and say, oh, cool. Well, the river's going to take me a mile left. Then it's going to take me a mile right. But in the end, I'm going to get back to there, right? Because the river always takes you where you want to go. Yeah. And so... Thinking about entrepreneurship through that analogy and through that lens allows you or it allowed me to relax and say, hey, I'm going to be going where I want to end up anyway. I'm going to have to take a couple left turns. I'm going to have to take some right turns. That's part of life and that's definitely part of entrepreneurship, 100%. Wow, this is the, I I read a lot of books and and motivational videos but this is really nice visual explanation about the journey of and the struggle Mm. so basically just think the end results and expect that there is going to be left turns bumps difficulties and probably most of it is going to be failure until you reach the success yeah wow nice visual explanation Mm -hmm. of of the journey yeah okay so so everything this was uh for people who are struggling what would you suggest the best way to change their mindset would be your personal like specific actions that they Mm. can take today to start to change their mindset sure beautiful question so first things first it would be what we touched on earlier it would be if you can change your environment okay if you think that like me for example i grew up in a small town in the north of england i know you grew up in macedonia and you know you have many stories to share i'm sure about that environment and I'm I'm pretty sure you would agree with me. Those are not environments to thrive. No. They're (laughs) environments to survive, right? Not to thrive. And so if you're in one of those environments, you need to get out of it really quickly. You need to get new inputs. You need to get new resources into your mind. And I think the internet is great for this because the internet can give you virtual mentors. It can give you a lot of information. 
But I honestly think that the internet is not the place to start Mm -hmm. because it's a good place to get instructions, to get kind of a roadmap of where you should be looking. You know, you don't want to be trying to bicycle around San Diego with a map of San Francisco, right? Yeah. (laughs) So it's good to have a map. But the challenge with the internet is that, and these ideas are from an an author called Cal Newport Mm -hmm. in... um, he wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And also his, his, his great latest one is called Deep Work. Deep work yeah. And so he argues that the, the, you know, the skill, the most valuable skill in the next five to 10 years in the, econ- in the, in the economy, in the new economy, is going to be the ability to focus for extended periods of time. Because the average attention span, according to him, is around seven seconds for a human. And if you have the ability to be able to focus, you will win. Because 99% of people can barely even focus for longer than a minute anymore. They can't, they, yeah. they bang, bang, they're constantly looking around, notifications, self. And so the internet tends to, in my personal experience and just watching other people, it tends to lead people down this, this rabbit hole of before you know it, you've got 20 tabs open and yeah. you're looking at every tab and you're watching all these YouTube videos. And the thing with information is information plays a little trick on your brain in the sense that it allows you to feel like you've moved forward. But that's an illusion because the only thing in life is results. You only get paid for done. The only thing that matters is results. And so information is great. You should definitely learn. But the first place to start, I would say, is instead of getting lost down the the, the internet and 20 tabs and before you know it, you're overwhelmed and looking all this information, first of all, get a roadmap, figure out what it is that you want to do, and then change your environment, go to a new place, and get reference reference experience mm-hmm. for other people doing it. Because one of the key distinctions here is that making a change in your life is about changing your beliefs. And if we understand where a belief comes from, what a belief is, a belief is just an accumulation of references. And this table or a table is held up with four legs. Well, it's four reference points, right? And, you know, you take one of those reference points away, all of a sudden it starts to wobble. And so there's two ways to form a belief. One is, for example, if we take the analogy of a wall, right? If you see a wall like this and it's really high and you think, God, I, I could never jump over that wall. Well, what you can do is you can either run and you can jump over the wall yourself. Okay, or you can see other people jumping over that wall, and then you know it's possible, right? And that's a reference point. When you change your environment and you go to a new destination, you will start to see other people being successful. You'll start to see them doing well in certain areas of life, and all of a sudden, you start to believe that it's possible. And that is such a powerful, powerful start because now you're going into this jumping in the river and you're going into it with this belief that wait a minute, Sam did it over here and, 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 and Callum did it and Ian did it and I can do it, right? And so I think that you can do that again from home, but it's just much more difficult. And so this is why, I, again, I love this remotepreneurship idea. I love this concept, this podcast that you're coming up with, which is why I agreed to come on it because I think that the key factor for behavioral change will be environment. And I think that if you just did that one thing, that's probably 80% of the combination of changing reference points, 
mm-hmm. to be able to change a belief mixed with tactics that you will get from becoming friends with those people. And if you tie a third thing to that, it would be save up a bunch of money, go, and then give yourself a timeline in which to execute. Okay. So the challenge is when it comes to a lot of this stuff is if you're at home or you want to start a business or you, you want to change your mindset, you might not feel like this, but the underlying frame is I've got all the time in the world, right? What happens when you dive in at the deep end and you move to Chiang Mai with $10,000 in your bank account and you've got six months to make it work. And if you don't, you're screwed, right? There's something very powerful about that because when you add you know, a date on it, when you add a deadline, it forces you to focus and it forces you to produce results. And that is a really key thing because I'm sure you've read about Parkinson's law, right? Where the time expands to fit the task. And so, you know, when you start at home and you're not doing anything, well, you can take all the time in the world. You can go downstairs, you need a burger, you can go out with your friends. Well, no, when you're in Chiang Mai for six months and you've got to make it work, you're going to do everything you can to make it work. And that is what I've seen Chiang Mai particularly be incredible for because I've seen just over a dozen people now come here and start with nothing and have, you know, five to $10,000, maybe less, and say, I've got three months or six months or maximum, I've got nine months to make this work. What am I going to do about it? And they're out there and they're hungry and they're passionate and they make it work. I've not seen a single person come to Chiang Mai who gets around the right people, is hungry and has that deadline, who has not created a business that makes them passive income of at least one to 2,000 a month. A couple of my best friends were in that situation and they're making 30 or $40,000 a month now. Wow. So, you know, you've got to start somewhere, but I really think if you combine those three things, then, you know, you've got a, a key strategy for moving forward. And I could give you other things I would also do, but I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm your audience. I think yeah, that the, I think the, this was perfect. I mean, this one, is, this is so, so much value personally for me and I believe for the audience. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Change your environment, set a, like a game plan, what you want to do, do have an income or at least a saving. And most importantly, give, give a deadline, give a mm-hmm. timeline and expectation, right? What you need to do to, to fix it. I do have a question here yeah. for people that are working remotely, digital nomads or remote preneurs, as mm. I want to call them. How can you, I read the book, Deep Focus, Deep Work. Yeah. How can you focus when you travel? Mm. Build a habit, build a routine. Sure. That's part of the, mm. the deep focus. How can you do that? How yeah. did you manage to do that? Yeah, I, I, I've definitely struggled with this a lot because one of the key things when you move to any new place is you have to establish systems. Okay. So a routine is just a system, right? You have a system for where you go to eat. You have a system for where you get your coffee, right? You have a, and, and these systems, the, the fundamental benefit of a system is that it allows you to make less decisions, right? One of the challenges of remote work is that, and I experienced this heavily last year, was decision-making fatigue. Now, some people laugh at this. Some people don't think it's real. I personally believe in it. I think that if you've gone the brave route of starting your own business and really going for it, 
you will have to make so many more decisions on a daily basis than the average person with a job that you need to be doing everything possible to put systems in place in the logistical part of your life, meaning where you do your grocery shopping, where you, you know, which restaurants do you go, having the routine set, where's your house, where's your accommodation, what's your commute like to the office, mm-hmm. like all of this stuff. This needs to be like a streamlined jet. Bang. Because if you're making decisions, where shall I go eat? Oh, actually, mm, that restaurant looks nice. Oh, that, one. that is literally taking away energy points that could be directed towards your business. So the key distinction is when you land in a new place, spend a couple of days or a week maximum getting those systems set up perfectly to whatever that to, to your best ability. Okay. This is a challenge last year. Like I said, in Lisbon, I didn't do that. And I suffered a lot because I was, I'd worked really hard the year before 2017. It was really a year where I, I wanted to prove to myself that I could just grind, really get my elbows in the mud and just hustle. Right. And that's what I did. And then 2018 came around and I had some success and I had some money and I was like, um, let's, let's let go. Let's, let's let loose a little bit. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have some fun. Right. I moved to a new city. I want to build a social circle. You know, let, let's, let's go and enjoy. I've made it. Let's, let's see. Not, not I've made it. I mean, no, no, not, not like that, but it was more like, I've really worked hard. I deserve a break. Okay. You know, g- give yourself a break. And, and also moving to a new city because I moved to Lisbon, I, I wanted to make new friends, right? And the only way to do that is to go out. And actually I had a system for that. I had a social system. Wow. Yeah. And I, I had a marketing funnel for how I would bring people in and how I would convert them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice one. And I could, yeah, I could share a little bit about that with you if you want. But I, every, I'm a big believer in systems in every area of your life. And do not leave it to chance. Don't say, oh, I'm just going to go here and I'm going to meet someone. That's great. Like meeting people spontaneously, incredible. I've made some great friends like that. But don't let that be the determining factor. Have a system for your core goals in life. If you, if one of your core goals is I want to go out and I want to make a new social circle in a new city because I want to build a base here. Well, you should have a system for that. I go out to these types of places. I have a way to exchange details or for example, I had an Instagram funnel. So (laughs) I had people, yeah, I would go out, I would get people into my Instagram funnel, which meant I would have them follow me and I would get them into my stories. I would then create content that sold them on my personality Because one of the mistakes that a lot of people do in social interactions is they try to validate themselves by saying, I've done this, I've done this, you know, uh, look at me, like I've achieved this, 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 and this. Well, as soon as you tell someone something, then usually your status goes down because they think that you're bragging or you're arrogant or a lot of time people will compare themselves to you and Mm -hmm. say, look what he's done with his life. I'm a piece of shit. I've not done anything, right? Okay. So they'll kind of look at it like this. They're not, not always. This is just my experience. So if you show, not tell, this is a key marketing principle. Do not forget this. Show, not tell is key. I learned this from a guy called Dan Kennedy, who's the king of all kings when it comes to marketing. He's taught 
everyone in entrepreneurship, all the top guys, he says always show not tell. So what did I do? I built a system and I used social media. I didn't let it use me. I used social media to show people what my life looked like and to display my personality. Now, once they'd seen my personality, they'd seen that I like to do ABC activities. They'd seen I do this, or I go to the gym, or I, you know, I like to go to the beach, or I have really cool people around me, or I have cool habits. I like to do reading, I like to meditate, I go to the spa, like all of this. They look at my life and like, this guy's a cool motherfucker. I want to hang around with him. And then all of a sudden, you start to notice people on a scale, not just one or two. I was, you know, you go out and let's say on a night and you're in a cool environment, you might get the, the details of 20, 30 people, right? Or maybe you, five to 10 people. Well, now those 10 people are all watching your Instagram story and they're watching how cool your life is and they're watching how fun you are and how carefree you are and how disciplined and dedicated you are and how passionate you are. And all of a sudden, they want to be friends with you. They want to be in your life. And now they're coming to you and they're hitting you up. And so what that is, is a system that's created leverage. Now, every hour I put into socializing, I get 10 back. Wow. Right? That's the power of a system. And you should have systems in every area of your life to create leverage. Wow. And, and system, when you move to a new environment, is an example of that. Get your routine down. Get your systems down so you don't have to make as many decisions. And you can leverage and use time as your ally. That's how you get ahead. Wow, nice. I personally so got relate with, with everything you wow that's that's really valuable i, I always start, struggle to to build a, a routine when i station in one place i build a routine for exercise for working but since i move to other place for travel i just lost like i don't meditate i don't exercise mm -hmm. i don't do so yeah. much calls i mean and i miss a lot of important project for that way i'm not perfect and i was always wondering how this guy is doing so system like yeah. Deliberately, when you go to a place, let's say Chiang Mai, just I assume just decide going three months plus. Yeah. At the beginning, at the start, just implement a system mm -hmm. and be aware what to do. Exactly. And also, I didn't. I'm a salesperson, mm -hmm. but I never thought about building a you know funnels through basically everything, like through social media to use it as a leverage. I see so much value here. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So basically, system is the best way. How do you keep discipline to follow the system? How, 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 how don't you sleep a little bit? Ah, it's not, it won't hurt if I don't do it this time, if I don't so, go to the exercise this time. Yeah. Well, one of the beautiful things about a system is that it's usually front-loaded work. The power of a system is that it's not reliant upon willpower. It's not reliant upon discipline. A system is built so that it runs itself. So... If you don't have the initial discipline to build a system, then you're not going to win anything in life. It doesn't matter. But trying to optimize your life for work is a bad idea. And you should not be doing the same tasks over and over and over again and expecting a different result because you're always going to be stressed. You're always going to have to be chasing your tail and you're never going to get ahead because you're always having to make the same decisions and do the same work. You should be front-loading that work into a system and then you should be allowing that system to work for you. So I don't even think that, once you've done that, I don't think discipline or willpower even 
becomes an issue. Wow. I read the book uh, Power of Habits. So this is a little bit concept similar mm. like he told. Use your willpower to build a habit or the system, the routine. And after that, it's automatic. Like brushing your tooth. I don't exactly. think about it. Yeah. Wow. The key thing with the system is have a... I got this from an entrepreneur called Ramit. He, was, he called it the tripod of stability. So when you have a system, make sure that the system is foolproof. One, one example would be accountability is a part okay. of a system. Okay, so if the system looks like you go to the gym uh, five times a week and the system is, you know, ABC. Well, for example, if you have a personal trainer or you have a, a workout partner or someone else that is keeping you accountable, then it makes the system almost impossible to fail. Because not only is the system doing the work for you, you're not having to make decisions about the system, you've also got that like kind of safe door, that, that safety mechanism that if for whatever reason something goes wrong with the system, well, or or just just that day you just, you know, because you could have a, a system, for example, to go out to the gym, but you still have to go to the gym. Yeah. Right. So there's there is a decision to be made there, but once you've done that front-loaded work, then that bit does become much easier, right? But if you want to be 100% certain that it's very rarely going to fail, then add in accountability. So if you're not feeling like it, well, you don't have a choice because you have accountability. I had a friend in Lisbon who was taking this to kind of the extreme where if he doesn't go to the gym, he will give his friend $5,000. $5,000? $5,000. If he doesn't meet his friend at the gym at this time, automatically $5,000 goes out of his bank account to him. That's what he set up. Or, he, or his friend gets to like, he, his friend has access to his bank and he can do it. It's something, but yeah. he will lose $5,000, right? And that is because he's fully aware that he's not done the work to set up the systems. And he knows, he, I mean, he's an incredible guy, but he's just kind of so big picture thinker. He, you know, he, he's actually, he speaks like nine languages and he's a poly, he's wow. a poly lot. And he, he's the way that his brain works, but he, he needs massive external accountability to be able to execute on his systems. So adding in something like that is really powerful as well. But the general idea is let systems rule your life. Don't try to make the same decisions over and over and over again. Wow. Don't rely on willpower. Do not rely on willpower. Do not reply on discipline. It's a waste of time. Yeah. You spend it over the day. Because think about milk and going to, mm. should I get this coffee? Should I put this picture? You're just wasting. Exactly. And I think this is kind of, trend in entrepreneurship now of this like hustle you know like i'm a hustler right and they have the hustle t-shirts and all this kind of and i think it's 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 great to go through a phase of your life where you can prove to yourself that you can work like i said to you earlier i had a job when i was younger where i was clean i cleaned showers full of naked men right now that was not enjoyable (laughs) yeah fucking dudes butt cracks all day long but you know I did that and that taught me I can hustle. I can really do backbreaking work, bending down, scrubbing shit for eight hours. I can do that, right? I don't want to do that. I would never choose to do that. But allow that reference to give me perspective on life and say, if I really need to do this, I can do it. I can put the hours in and I can hustle. And so that's a key skill to be aware of that you can hustle if needed, but you shouldn't. This is my, in my opinion, 
You should not be relying on the hustle to get results and then bragging about why you're a hustler or a hard worker. Because if you are working 12 hours a day, that is needed potentially for a certain period of your life, depending upon the business. But if you're hustling 12 hours a day, year after year after year, you're doing something seriously wrong. Because every year in in business, if you start a business on year one, well, year two should get easier. Year three should get easier. It should not get harder. It should get easier because what you're doing is you're putting systems in place and you're understanding yourself better and you're understanding the market better, you're understanding the business better. And once you do that, things should start to get easier and you should be working less hours. And you should be, like I said, getting back to systems. You should be allowing systems to do the work for you. So it's important to work, but it's a long-term game, entrepreneurship. And I've made this mistake many, many times of, I have, a, I have a quite an extreme personality. So it's set up in a way where I tend to sprint and then walk. Mm-hmm. I sprint and then I walk, right? And that's kind of my natural tendency to do something 12 hours a day, nonstop to do, 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 and then kind of get burnt out and then relax, right? And I've had to actively push myself away from that type of outlook on life because it's not sustainable and it's not healthy. You need to be able to figure out, okay, I'm in this for the long game. And, and, and the, the only caveat to this is if you've found a product on Facebook and you blast it working 12 hours a day for three months and you make half a million dollars, great, great. That's amazing. But that's not a long-term business. Okay, that's a fad. It's a way to make a lot of money quickly and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, some of my best friends have done that. But it's not... a a sustainable thing and it's got no longevity in it. So if we're talking about longevity-based businesses, then you should be looking at habits that you can sustain. And so that's been a huge lesson for me, especially like I said last year, because I ended up getting burnt out in Lisbon. Wow. This is so much value. I assume you're building also system with with your operational business, right? Hiring. Can you shortly share a little bit how do you hire, how do you build system? I assume that's what you're doing. Yeah, so we have a, as you know, we have a distributed workforce, which we've built the company completely remotely. And this has been um, a challenge at times, but also a, a blessing. It's been a great business decision to hire people in the Ukraine, to hire people in Serbia, in Eastern Europe, in um, the Philippines, stuff like that, because you can get someone with a high technical level who instead of paying 4000 a month we'll do the job for 1000 the downside to that for me personally is that part of why i'm in business is, is to go on a journey with people that's just okay. that's part of it when you build a distributed team the challenge is that you never see those people right only through the internet a couple of times a year you could do these meetups and stuff which is great but it's not the same thing and that is one of the challenges um, that a lot of my friends talk about in distributed companies is they say trying to keep a company culture fresh and exciting is very, very difficult. And you need to use tools such as Zoom, conferencing, Slack, tools like this to really keep things fresh, keep the communication quick, keep it fun, use emojis, joke, laugh a lot, send funny GIFs and stuff like that. And try to keep the mood light while you're working. 
but that is definitely been a challenge with this remote thing is like kind of how do we, you know, and, and I may transition to the point now where next year I have Lisbon as my home base and I create a small office there and I actually use Portugal to start an office and have an employees in the office with me because similar to the Eastern Europe, Portugal is very, very good in the sense that you can hire highly talented people. The Portuguese are very, very well educated and because their economy is screwed, the average salary there is like 700 euros a month. So you can get incredibly talented people for seven, eight, a hundred, a thousand euros a month, where that, that same person in the UK would cost you four, five, six thousand. So looking at leveraging that and figuring out what that's going to look like, yeah, but with a distributed team, you need to, you need to have systems for sure. And using, using technology, like I mentioned, those, those apps yeah. and stuff helps with that. So you built the company at this point. It's a real deal. It's a long term. As I mentioned, it's a seven-figure business. Mm-hmm. All it was done remotely, but after using systems, of course. But after some, sometimes you're just considering just setting base, having like employees in an office, and probably you will still use remote workers, but still have a, like a home base. Yeah, we'll definitely still have a distributed team. And again, location here plays a big role because, because I'm from the north of England and my business partner lives in the north of England. And because it's a small, tiny town, it's, it, and he still lives there, by the way, he's very, very different to me. He's more of a traditional business guy, like the family, the kids, the house, you know, he, he, that's, that's his style. There's a disadvantage in the business because it's very difficult to get highly talented people to go and work yeah. there in an office. You know, they're going to commute from London, which is a three-hour train, which you're not going to do every day. Yeah. Or you look at Manchester or Leeds, which are possibilities. But even then, it's it's tough. It's tough. So when we have a worldwide market like we do currently, then we're always going to utilize that. So we're always going to have a distributed team. It's just that because I've moved to Lisbon, there's a lot of strategic advantages to having an office there and people there. And it's two hours from London. You know, so we can just fly to the UK anytime we want and do big meetings. We could fly people out. It's a centralized European location almost. So you can bring people in. You know, it's it's there's no visa issues. Everyone can get in. Whereas the UK can be quite tricky for yeah. like visa stuff. And we can use that and the labor's cheap and the office space is cheap. And we can really use that for retreats, for you know, company meetups, for everything. So I think we could utilize that, but also still have a distributed team. Wow. Yeah. So this will be a combination? Probably it will be like a semi-distributed team, yeah, combination. With a great system in place. With a great system in place, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Wow. I, Guys, I think we got a lot of value. And I can promise you this is going to be only first podcast. When I come <laughs> to Lisbon, I'm going to do another podcast with you. Specifically, when you do the combination between a remote and also an office worker i just want to see how that works out yeah and i will definitely need probably to listen to this recording and rewatch it five times you gave so much value that that can help us for the remote work honestly that i'm going to implement so guys i would uh, advise you to go to remotepreneurs.com i'm going to create a really great show notes I mean, this was like really specific things and actions that you say that we need to do to figure out our mindset and also what to do to to be successful because you've done it. If you've done it, we can just use it as a reference point and and do it. Honestly, I'm going to model you, to, to be honest. I'm just going to model 
Probably I'll come to, to Lisbon at least three months. That's how much I can stay as a, with Macedonian passport. So, so I'll just do to try to implement the system and just try it out to see how it, how it awesome. works. I'm sure yeah. it's going to work. Yeah, we're all here to learn, man. So that's amazing. That's great. Yeah, and, and I mean, thank you for sharing. I know you, 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 you have so much things to do now with so many employees. And I don't know, can you imagine how much decisions you need to do on a daily basis? Any other thing you would like as a last message to share with, with the audience that um, are starting, that are stuck, or just mm. considering to do the remote? First thing I would say is, and I'll leave you with this, just jump in the river. Jump in the river. You've got nothing to lose. And if you're scared and you're afraid, use that as leverage. Don't think of fear as a negative emotion. You should be thinking of fear as an indicator about where to go in life because the fear and uncomfortable feelings is where you grow from. Like when you go to the gym, you exercise the muscle. Well, when you exercise the muscle, when you rest, that's where the muscle grows, right? You can grow stronger. If you never got into that part of your life where you're exercising your muscle in life and going after those feelings, searching them out, and then executing on a behavior, you will never get forward in life. And so I would encourage you if this is a part of your life that you feel passionate about and you want to leave the nine to five job and you want to travel the world just do it do it get some savings do it and then the rest will be history i've just seen so many people do it at this point it's not rocket science it's very easy to do so there's no excuse just jump in the river wow thank you for being part right you gave so much value I have so many questions additionally to ask, but we'll do that in Lisbon. Sure. Guys, jump in the water. Before that, do a plan, game plan, process and systems, and then go to remotepreneurs.com and I'll send you the show notes with everything else that, that he spoke. I will reference the books, sure. courses, everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one last thing I have yeah. a, um, if you're interested in more of the mindset stuff, I have a book available on Amazon called Anxiety Antidotes. And that's just an idea that I shared, that I brought into the world a couple of years ago to allow young people to kind of overcome anxiety in their own life. So that provides some use for you. Okay, so, so that's your personal book? Yes. Wow. How it was, can you repeat it's that? It's called Anxiety Antidotes. Wow. If you just search my name, Callum McVickers, and anxiety or anxiety antidotes, you'll see it on the internet. Yeah. Definitely, I'll get it now just to read it. And honestly, I would need some, some book like that when I was anxiety and I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sure. the You're welcome. For the value that you share. Guys, I'm going to do again another interview in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. For now, I don't want to question anymore. He he gave so much value that <laughs> it's going to be overwhelming. Once again, I would invite you and suggest to go to remotepreneurs.com. Just sign up to the newsletter. I'm going to send you the the show notes and quick actions that you need you can perform so you can be successful remotepreneur. Once again, thank you. Thank you for watching or listening and follow up, follow me every week where I talk with successful remotepreneurs that went through the struggle, they jumped in the river and they made it at the end point. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to hear new episodes. 
And if you feel that this episode provided you with value, we invite you to share this podcast with a friend that is trying to escape the matrix and create his or her own remote economy. Visit remotepreneurs.com and join the email list to receive this episode's show notes and a welcoming gift.